0: Holly, where are you? I can't find you. You've been missing.
1: Carol, I'm over here.
0: Echo, echo, (laughs) echo. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Sounds like we're kind of on hiatus again. But look, we wanted to release some of our most popular episodes. This one was one of your favorites
1: The House on Lindley Street. Yes, it was. Enjoy.
0: I'm going to discuss one of the most highly documented hauntings in America. Wow. The Lindley Street House in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. I got most of my information today from the book written by William J. Hall called The World's Most Haunted House, The True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street.
1: I do remember hearing about this story, but it was years ago, and I cannot remember where or how, if it was on YouTube or what, but I do recall hearing about it. And yes, it is very well documented and very spooky. This would be a good scary story, you guys. Thank you.
0: Yeah, the book itself, though, I'll preface this by saying it's not a scary read. And it's a bit disappointing. You're, you know, the book that you presented on, you were very excited about. Yeah, I'd say from an entertainment standpoint, don't go into this thinking it's a Stephen King novel that you're going to be like oh I love this and it's a page turner right? but it is a very thorough documentation of exactly what this author said happened almost giving you a play by play moment to moment from 72 eyewitness accounts which took place from 1971 peaking at 1974 and even drawing the attention of Ed and Lorraine Warren yay, the famous ghost hunters who were known for other paranormal investigations and famous hauntings. They're awesome. Yeah. So, I'm going to start with a little background on the family. The Gooden family, Laura and Gerard, known as Jerry, lived at 966 Lindley Street in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Is it a B&B now? (laughs) No, and I can give their address away because I think it's actually destroyed now. It might still be in existence, but they're not living there anymore. So. You can bug the new owners. Okay. Um, And if you add up the numbers, you get 21, Mm -hmm. Holly, which is the world card in tarot, Mm -hmm. which is great for manifesting. Okay. And then if you reduce that for numerology, you get number three. And if you're like a creative artist, the three energy of the home would really be a good thing for you. Hmm. But really a house number that adds up to three is not suitable for people who like to stay independent such as people who prefer peace and quiet should not prefer this home because it's going to be filled with nonstop social activity. And by activity, it could even mean otherworldly activity. The issues seem to have started in the house soon after they adopted their daughter, Marsha, and it's spelled M-A-R-C-I-A. So it could have been pronounced Marcia or Marcia, but for this uh, episode, I'm going to say Marsha. Okay. They had lived in the home for eight years before the paranormal event started. Laura and Gerard Gooden had lost their own child, a boy who had cerebral palsy and died to complications from catching an illness, along with a very high fever. That's sad. It is. Laura's favorite saying was, a home without a child is not a home. Mm. So they were crushed and they were soon desperate to become parents again. The house itself was a tiny bungalow in a middle to lower income neighborhood built in 1923. Some say that Marsha had a very odd personality, unusually shy with very overprotective parents. Jerry Goodwin was a practical down-to-earth father who spent a few years in the Air Force and settled down for a career as a maintenance worker for a local manufacturing of electrical equipment. He was described as a hard worker and dedicated family man. Originally, when he was young, he wanted to become a priest, but as he got older, became less religious and decided he would instead prefer a domestic life. Laura, his wife, was a Bohemian and Cherokee Indian and grew up as an only child. People who knew her described Laura as lacking social skills, having very few friends when she was young, but having a high-strung, energetic, and humorous personality. Jerry and Laura Gooden soon found that Laura was unable to have any more children after the loss of her son Hmm. and sought help through an adoption agency for a possible match for them. That's sad. Yeah. They got word, though, pretty quickly that a four-year-old little girl was available for adopting and so they immediately drove up to Canada to see her.
1: Was her name Carol Ann?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. They described Marcia as immediately running over to them for a hug, and it was decided right then that they were all a family. Marcia was the youngest of a family of nine children in a tribe from the Seneca Indians. Hmm. She had already lived through some tough times, and the adoption agency felt the Goodens were a natural fit because of Laura's heritage. Like her mother, Marsha also seemed to lack friends at school, and due to Laura's overprotective nature, very rarely was allowed to have friends over or to even visit other children who lived in the neighborhood.
1: Well, it doesn't help her make new friends, does it? No. In
0: 1974, just as school started, a young boy caused injury to Marsha by punching and kicking her so severely she had to seek care from a doctor. Marsha ended up having to wear a supportive back brace most of the day to help support her movements and healing. Fearful for her safety, the Goodens pulled Marsha out of school for home tutoring and would not allow her to return. I don't blame them. That's terrible. I know it is. And I specifically mention all these details because this particular haunting was written off as a hoax, perpetuated by the young daughter, Marsha, who was only ten years old at the time of this activity. Okay. But the author firmly believes this is not the case and that the full account and details of the haunting needed to be told. Okay. The Warrens, who were called in to investigate the nature of the Lindley House activity, concluded that these hauntings were of a demonic or poltergeist nature. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about poltergeist because mm-hmm. a lot of times with children that are just coming into puberty, poltergeist activity tends to ramp up. Right. Right.
0: And they describe three stages of these types of hauntings. The first is infestation. That is when the spirits are annoying, right? Just the little things. Your car keys are moved. Right. Like yeah. cords are put above. Yeah. yeah. The next stage is oppression, where the entity tries to frighten and intimidate the inhabitants of the home. Usual reports involve knocking, three times especially— Oh, you think just like me, Holly. (laughs) Let's do it, though, together. Okay. Yeah. There it is. Perhaps seeing and hearing unworldly voices or shadows. (gasps) And in this stage, (laughs) the last stage is possession. And we all know what that is.
1: Yeah, it's when there's another entity inside your body and it's taking over your body and you're acting like the very de- good the demon Holly instead of yourself. Yeah. A lot of times people can't tell the difference between me and the demon that possesses my body. <laughs> <laughs> you come off so, as the same type of person.
0: So it began very subtly right after Marsha was adopted, described just in these stages by the author. Small items were moved and lost, only to be found in the same place a day later. In 1969, the Goodens had made friends with a couple who met several times a week to play cards alternating between homes. Their daughter, Rosemary...
1: <gasps> Rosemary?
0: Was around <laughs> the same... Hi, it, Rosemary! It
1: Was it Rosemary or was it Rosemary? It, I don't know. Has Let's sp- say has Rosemary. How's it spelled?
0: R-O-S-E-M-A-R-I-E.
1: Rosemary, maybe. Rosemarie. Because my sister is rosemary. With a uh, Y. Like the herb. Okay. Thanks yeah. for
0: differentiating yeah. that. Yeah. So do you know if Marcia is spelled M-A-R-C-I-A as Marcia that is, or that Marcia?
1: That is a way to spell Marcia. That is one way to spell it. So I think going with just pronouncing it Marsha is a good idea. Oh, Marsha, Marcia, Marsha, Marsha, Marcia, 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 It's always about Marcia. It what is Marcia always wants. about
0: Marsha. Poor Jan. Yeah. Their daughter, Rosemary, was around the same age as Marcia, and they would often sit quietly on opposite ends of the couch, listening to their parents' conversations. That sounds so fun.
1: (laughs) Boring. Strange children. (laughs) Let's go play Barbies right now.
0: On one occasion, Rosemary felt the end of the couch where she was sitting starting to rise and then slowly float back to the floor. Well, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Rosemary, when interviewed later, described it saying that Marsha, at the time, was sitting there, hands in her lap, giving her a nervous, knowing smile. <laughs> yep, just like that. Rosemary said that sometimes Marsha would act like her collection of teddy bears were talking back to her. And Rosemary said it was all very realistic.
1: I thought... That didn't happen to you as a kid? Your teddy bears didn't talk back to you? Yeah, when I played tea with my
0: dolls and everything, I would always be a conversationalist. Yeah, Yeah. I could talk
1: about anything with them. That's how all great
0: ventriloquists are born (laughs) doing tea time with their animals. That's right. On one occasion, she found Marsha sitting on her bedroom floor, rocking back and forth and speaking in a very strange language. Hmm. When Rosemary inquired what she was doing, Marsha said she was speaking to her grandfather, who was the chief on the Indian reservation she was from. Wow. And that he was very upset she was taken away from her natural family and adopted. Hmm. Anytime she wanted to speak to him, she could just sit in this pose and could communicate. Okay. So the Goodens apparently were never aware that Marsha had this special ability or connection with her grandfather. So just mm. keep that in mind. She didn't tell them that. She did not. Okay. There were over 50 police reports filed in regards to paranormal activity around this home and over 200 witness reports. That's pretty good. Yes. The first came in the year 1972 and were complaints of noise coming down on the roof. And it wasn't Santa Claus.
1: Mm -hmm. That's how the Bell Witch started. The the noises on the roof.
0: Yeah. Yes. It only happened at night at this time. And Jerry said it sounded like the house was being stoned.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: The stones then started having a pattern and would occur all hours of the day and night. Okay. They then decided to call the fire department and all kinds of maintenance workers were called in to check out the house just to see what the source might be but nobody could find anything wrong with the home. Hmm. Besides, the noise also seemed to be coming inside the home too. But then more crazy events started to happen. Mm -hmm. Laura heard three knocks at the door. But when she went to answer, there was no. Come note. and
1: knock on my door. That's what we should be doing. <laughs> it's a I've little too happy. You. It's a little too happy song for this demonic. <laughs> and the demons are hers and hers and his three's company too. Oh, you actually actually are doing quite well. No I try way. to make it more evil by putting the word
0: demon in. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, Okay, so Laura heard these three knocks at the door, but when she went to answer, there was nobody there except wet footprints on the front porch. Oh, that's cool. You know why this is unsettling? Why? Because there was no source of wet weather that day. No.
1: Creepy. See, if that was in Oregon, then nobody would question it. I that. know. <laughs>
0: that's why I had to put that in. That that's, that's... Be like, oh
1: yeah, it's typical.
0: Doors started opening on their own. Chairs were moving and even a window shattered from mm. the inside out. Oh. And for some reason, curtains were especially offensive to the entity. Curtains. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, because,
0: <laughs> because repeatedly the curtain rods were torn down, huh. and anytime they tried to put them back up, they were just immediately ripped down again.
1: Oh, weird.
0: The family started just hanging out together in the living room, frightened by all that was happening. So most evenings they would just try to drown out the noises and ignore what was going on by turning on their television and watching Three's Company together. <laughs> Good for them. Coming knock on <laughs> my, my door. door. I've been haunting for you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> of course, the more they tried to tune out the interference, guess what happened? It got worse. Yes. This is
1: just like how the Bell Witch, they try to ignore it the whole time and it just got worse. It's like worse. a bratty kid yeah. needing attention. Yes.
0: One day, they heard the kitchen cabinets opening and all their dishes were being hurled one by one out of the wow. cabinets, breaking on on the floor you can't ignore that no Laura had just come back from grocery shopping and she watched as the table levitated and the bag of groceries she had set down was lifted high up flipped upside down and everything dumped out
1: Then she went to her refrigerator and opened the door and there was a man and a voice that said Zo. <laughs> Where's that come from? Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. That's Remember? right. <laughs> yes. Zool. Zool. And then our eggs started cooking on the on And they the were frying. Top. Yeah.
0: Well, you, it's amazing that you said eggs because that was my next sentence. Ah, yay. Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> Instead of frying, they were flying. Wow. Knives were being thrown. It's always knives being thrown. Yeah. They hurt. Silverware. It's just always going crazy.
1: I can't imagine if you're... <sighs> If you walk into that situation and it's the 70s and there's not a lot of information out there about ghosts and hauntings and paranormal stuff and you're watching this, what you're thinking. Like, what would you be thinking? Like, what the hell is going on in my house? I would
0: just run. Yeah. I probably would just run out of the house. So freaked out. And if that wasn't enough, their 300-pound refrigerator... Oh, my God. Didn't open the door and say Zool, (laughs) but but almost. It started shaking... Mm -hmm. and rising up from the floor, and then they all saw it twist a quarter turn before lowering itself back down. Wow. This time, the activity caused injury, as also the family's 23-inch TV came crashing down on Laura's right foot, breaking two of her toes. Wow. After this incident happened, Marsha was no longer allowed to be left alone. What was that? It's the poltergeist. Oh. <laughs> it's, just her plug. it's knocked stuff off of our table. It was just a matter of time before they found us. It was just me. Mm. I just pushed it over. After this incident, Marcia was no longer allowed to be left alone, even as she went to the bathroom. You know, they were fearful that something would happen. So the door would be mm. left open so that one of the parents would be able to help her quickly if she shouted for them. And she's 10? Yes. Okay. Jerry soon began calling the police anytime these crazy events happened. And this poltergeist activity was witnessed firsthand by many, many police officers, Mm -hmm. neighbors, firefighters, and other first responders. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Soon the media got wind of the activity, and there were crowds of people gathering around the home trying to see firsthand all the phenomenon. Yeah. So that's where all these police reports came, because they kept calling One neighbor at the time said they all saw the family's cement swan planters outside, turn on the porch, and start uttering these strange noises. Hmm. (laughs) That's so creepy. It got so bad that the police had to set up barricades to keep people from coming up into the home. That's that house energy. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't stop the crowds from coming. It was like a Woodstock festival, seriously. For the
1: paranormal. Yes.
0: There were mile long cars, you know, cruising along in line for hours just to catch a glimpse of the house. Huh. Even food vendors started selling drinks and refreshments to those who were camping out in front of the home. I wonder if the Amityville
1: Horror House um, experience. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead.
0: Sorry. That's okay. The crowd was said, according to newspaper reports at the time, to have grown in size from 2,000 to 10,000 people. Wow, Man. I would like to mention here that the movie The Exorcist had just been released in theaters, so everyone was super excited Mm -hmm. by anything that could resemble a real live demonic haunting. Everyone was super excited about just really having a real live demonic haunting. And Jerry seemed to be the most affected by all these events. Mm-hmm. He could almost predict when this paranormal activity would occur. Okay. He said he would feel a heaviness in his chest mm. and smell intense sulfur mm-hmm. and ozone in the atmosphere. Yep. We we know about sulfur. Yeah. He was desperate to protect his family and was at his wits end as to how to help. Yeah. So they say when you smell that sulfur um, smell, that is a sign of demonic entities. Is
1: that why sulfur is associated with Satan?
0: Uh, Maybe. Or hellfire brimstone, Dante's Inferno descriptions of what hell was like. He was desperate to protect his family and was at his wits end as how to help. He even went so far as to tie cords around all the furniture, fastening them to the walls and even at Christmas time put the Christmas tree in a bucket of cement to ensure it would not be disturbed. <sighs> Jeez. Wow.
1: Oh, but it still was. I bet. And how did that poor tree get any water? Oh, I know.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's a that's yeah. a good question. Poor tree. On one occasion while the family was playing Monopoly, Jerry thought he could see four figures in a smoky yellow haze gathering in the hall. Hmm. It was strange because he also started to speak a Gregorian chant and he was said to have recited the entire Catholic mass in Latin.
1: And he doesn't know the Catholic mass and he doesn't know Latin.
0: Well, as an altar boy, he said he learned the responses Mm that the congregation had and like what the altar boys had. Yeah. But he had never memorized the entire mass, much less in Latin. Okay. And Paul Eno, a student of the priesthood who Mm -hmm. was also helping out the family at this time, Mm -hmm. he was present that night, um, and he also witnessed Jerry's vision. Okay. He said the figures had substance and described it as a bird-like bony structure. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Actually having three-dimensional
1: feel. Huh. So they're being haunted by bird entities. Yeah. Huh.
0: One of the entities went around him in the hall and went straight for Marsha, picked the little girl up, and threw her across the room. Hey. It was at this time Paul Eno decided to call back Ed and Lorraine Warren, and also this time asked Father William Charbonneau to help. Father Charbonneau decided to say some prayers and use some holy water to bless all the parties that observed the activity. But he also warned that this activity would probably get worse, not better from what he did. Hmm. It always seems to kind of aggravate the spirits. Yeah, it does. And while all this was happening, the occurrences outside the house with the crowds were presenting to be just as dangerous. The police arrested two young men who were seen trying to set the home on fire in an attempt, they said, to burn away the evils that lived there. Jeez. They so were just th-
1: helping them out. The family was inside when they did this? Yeah. Oh, God.
0: Also, the amount of people and traffic was a terrible strain on the community and of other neighbors. They were just all exhausted. The police force was just strained because they had to keep vigilant crowd control at all hours of the day and night. Mm. So can you imagine this small little town? No. No. They strongly encouraged the family to not call them anymore or involve them. They said they could not help with their issues and felt it was just their daughter who was behind all these events. Oh, wow. They based all of this on one officer's report that daughter Marsha was seen a couple of times attempting to push a table away or tip back the recliner in the living room with her foot. When they questioned her, she said she was just trying to see if the demon would do anything. Mm-hmm. Upon further pressure, she then confessed, saying, yes, it was she making all the strange noises. Hmm. But the Warrens were not convinced mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And of course, neither were her parents. Yeah. It was their opinion she was enjoying the attention and the social interaction with the visitors. But no 10-year-old girl can move a 300-pound refrigerator. Yeah, true. Or throw herself across a room and yeah. also make demonic apparitions that many people saw. Right. However, it was the very excuse the police needed to justify their shutting down the investigation. Yeah. They thought they were doing it for the benefit of the family by having all that outside attention finally come to an end. Mm. But it was actually the worst thing that could happen for the family and the Warrens. Mm-hmm. Because when the media caught wind of the police officer's report saying Marcia had confessed, the family was completely shunned And Mm. even the Warrens were ridiculed with outlandish claims. Wow. Some rumors spread saying that Ed Warren had given Marsha candy laced with LSD. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Wow. Uh, Someone else reported that Ed Warren used witchcraft and it caused the whole family to hallucinate.
1: Wow. So they were just completely... Victims of the public demonization of what's going on there. Yeah, It's amazing how people will just run with things and not knowing all the facts of a situation, but the media tells them to think something and then just go with it. No one stops and questions anything. It's very sad.
0: Yeah, it's just mob mentality. Mob mentality,
1: yeah. The
0: parents, though, and many of the witnesses knew that much of the activity had occurred when Marsha wasn't even in the same room or house at time of these events. But regardless of these facts being well-known, all the media sources published their top headlines calling the whole thing a hoax and blamed this little girl. Jeez. The family was ridiculed everywhere they went. The workplace was very difficult for Jerry. It was decided around the Christmas holiday that they would enjoy some time away to spend a long day over the weekend in New York attending a different church and enjoying a fun time. They were at the time staying at a relative's home for a couple of days as they were fed up with everything. Mm. When they came home, though, to pack up for the trip, they saw that their Christmas tree was knocked down. The one in cement? Yes. And the star was sawed off of the top of the tree. Sawed off? Wow. The Christmas ornaments were all removed and laying in a neat little pile on the floor, and the only thing left was the lights. Huh.
1: So the spirit was actually trying to help by de-decorating their Christmas tree. I think he was just having
0: fun. Like, hey, they decorated the tree without me. Yeah. Forget that. Yeah. Screw these and, guys. And, you know, obviously he didn't want the star on top of the tree. No. He's got something like Krampus he's yeah. going to put up
1: there. <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> or a bird ornament. <laughs> something hideous. A bird's nest. A skull. A skull. Skull and crossbones at the top of the tree. Yeah, he
0: just wanted to do it himself. Nice. He's yeah. like, we're all going to decorate it together or none of us are going to decorate the tree. Right. Damn um, it. I just thought that was a really interesting part of the haunting. Yeah. The book also compiles some of the police and eyewitness reports. And I think one of the craziest things I read, Holly, mm. was that the family's cat, Sam. Sam? Sam, was witnessed by Ed Warren to be
1: singing Jingle Bells. Yeah. That's awesome. I wish they had video footage of that. I know. That would have been so awesome. Be a big kid on YouTube.
0: Yeah. And there was a written police report of the cat who said to one officer how's your brother Bill doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and the officer and the officer is like, no, it's the little girl doing. All no. Of yeah. And the <laughs> officer looked
0: down and replied, my brother's dead. <laughs> the cat then scowled. I know swearing repeatedly at the officer and then running off. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Some of these accounts are just so compelling. You're just like, I can't believe, like, they're writing this down and this actually happened. Talking cats.
1: Mm -hmm. How's your brother Bill? Who said that? Yeah. I did.
0: Meow. Meow. (laughs) Meow. That was the best part for me was the talking cat. That's cool. The author said he interviewed neighbors who gave accounts of three additional homes on that street who also experienced incidents after the paranormal activity died down from the Goodens home.
1: Oh, So... So the whole street's kind of fucked up.
0: Right. The Psychical Research Foundation and a representative, Boyce Beatty, of the American Society of Psychical Research also interviewed the Goodwin family, hoping to understand more about poltergeist activity. He believed the Goodens had experienced everything they had shared and were telling the truth. Mm -hmm. One theory he gave... Was that there was a large amount of psychokinetic energy built up between the mother and the daughter? Oh. And this was because of the unhappiness and codependent, suffocating relationship the mother had of protecting Marcia.
1: Marcia's energy of her feeling
0: trapped Mm -hmm. was manifesting as poltergeist activity. Okay. Kind of like what you were talking about.
1: I was going to say, I was almost expecting you to say, maybe you will say, that they both have psychic ability and that that's bouncing off of each other.
0: Well, I hadn't thought of that. What I had thought of is they didn't really talk about her connection with the chief. Uh-huh. And her ability to communicate in a different language. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if a spirit wasn't connecting between her, using her mm. in some way. And she kind of knew what was going on, but didn't, didn't you, really have control Marcia, over it. Yeah. Yeah. As a medium mm-hmm. yeah. or an instrument. But I don't think Marsha was purposely trying to do anything. As a matter of fact, there were certain descriptions of her being very terrified.
1: Yeah, I don't think she is either. But it sounds like she is open and has abilities.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think her mother might also have that. So it's just like a transferring back and forth. Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe that's, they're bouncing. They both have a lot of psychic energy and they're just bouncing it back and forth. But like you said, she, the mother was suppressing the daughter too much to the point where her energy was exploding in other ways.
0: Yes. Yeah. That could also be what's going on. And Jerry really is an empath. I think, because he was able to pick up the energy from the poltergeist before the right. haunt, before the incident would happen, he would feel it and so the know it was going to happen.
1: the whole family has got abilities. They do. Yeah.
0: On January 10th, 1975, a for sale sign was posted up for the Goodens house on Lindley Street. The family found it was impossible to live in the home or work in the city anymore. Yeah. The listing price was 31500 but after a year of sitting with absolutely no offers, right? <laughs> Zach, where
1: were you? Yeah, Zach. You should have bought this house. should have bought the house. Yeah, he would have. He totally would have.
0: Um, so with no offers, they decided the home was never going to sell. They hoped to give the home a new look by painting it a fresh white color and removing the two swan planters that identified their house from the porch. Marsha was put back into a private school at the suggestion of several people who thought it would be good to return to some sort of a normal life for her. Mm -hmm. The Goodens also hired an attorney to put a stop to any more negative publicity.
1: Oh, that's a good idea.
0: Yep. They also requested an unlisted phone number. Mm -hmm. And since these were the days where people didn't spy on you, (laughs) <laughs> no kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, before the Patriot Act, before was uh-huh.
0: <laughs> they actually would think their
1: unlisted phone number yeah, could yeah, get them yeah. off the grid, <laughs> but they still got calls from salesmen around dinner time, it and they terrible. don't know how it happened. So
0: <laughs> the owls were flying through and delivering their mail. They also requested an unlisted phone number, and their lawyers sent a letter to the Warrens demanding they stop all lectures or talks that involve the Goodens and their home. And that's why you don't see much of this anymore. It's It's kind of been buried. The story has been buried. Right, But even after all this effort, this also backfired because when they made the changes, (laughs) that also made the top news. And it was, again, in the spotlight when newspapers... Love the media.
1: Published the photo of the home's new look on the front page. Because they're trying to change the look so it's easier to sell. And the media comes along and goes, oh, no, look at they It's the same
0: house, but look. Yeah. But they
1: did. It's terrible.
0: After a while, though, without any new investigations being filed or reports, the country's attention started dwindling away and shifted to a new haunting with a book release in 1977.
1: (laughs) Hmm. wonder what that was.
0: Can you tell us what that is? It was of a very ominous haunting and murder. Did it take place in Long Island, New York? <laughs> I think you might be hot to uncovering what this story is all about. Would it be Amber, 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 Amityville? Yes, Holly. It was the Amityville Horror.
1: Yay. So
0: because of the Amityville Horror, it, this they were finally able to get some peace.
1: Oh, good, because that took everyone's attention away.
0: It took everybody's attention away. They were now on to a more famous... Awesome. uh, ...new thing to be curious about. Right, cool. So it is unknown if the activity ever truly stopped in the Lindley home because, like I said, this whole story was buried. Mm. They decided not to talk about it with anyone. Yeah. They declined any further interviews from anybody inquiring. It was said that Laura Gooden died in a fatal car crash at the age of 68, Oh, that's sad. What's interesting is there was no mention in the obituary about their daughter, Marsha. Four years later, Jerry also passed of natural causes, and again, his obituary mentioned his being survived by his two brothers and other nieces and nephews, but no mention of Marsha.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. So at the time of writing the book, the author wrote, the only piece of information regarding Marsha... Was a holiday card from the Goodens to a family friend in 1980 when they said Marcia is determined to find her own parents in Canada when she turns 18. Huh. After the published book was released, a letter was sent in by a reader saying they had information on a deceased person of interest named Marcia, Marsha M-A-R-S-H-A hmm. Godin, G-O-D-I-N. Okay. Aged 51, which would be the exact age she would have been. Yeah. And it was further researched and found that Marsha did go to Canada but later returned to America from her trip north to seek her parents. Mm-hmm. She had suffered from both epilepsy mm. and multiple sclerosis as she got older, and she did pass away from her illness.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: So Marsha Godin was indeed Marsha Gooden. Okay. And it was, this is sad, it was said nobody wanted her ashes. Oh. Anybody that was left, um...
1: Were her parents still alive at that time, her adoptive parents?
0: I don't know. Mm. I don't know about that. But okay. nobody wanted her ashes. So the author, yeah, Bill, volunteered to keep them. And like I said, some reports have said the house has been destroyed. Um, but I don't know because there were also reports that in 2015 it was still standing. Oh, weird. So that's why I put the address out there. Yeah. Um, because those of you who don't think Google Earth is accurately showing you the right stuff you can actually go there and see for yourself and report back
1: to us if it's there. Okay. If it's standing. Did you look it up on Google Earth yourself? No. No.
0: Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> Who has time for Google Earth these yeah. days? You know what? I, I'm not good with Google Earth because Google Earth, I'm not patient enough. You know, like how it, It has to focus and focus and focus and get down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm waiting there. I'm like
1: 45 minutes later,
0: you're like, you know what? what? (laughs) Screw this. (laughs) I
1: I have things to do. Yeah, you got a busy
0: life. Yeah, I have demons to conquer. That's
1: right. Inward and outward. Okay. So, Are you bored? No. (laughs) No, I'm not. I was just pulling a hair out of my ass. Oh, God. (laughs) Cut that, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) She's got hair in her ass.
0: As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are
1: definitely haunted. Hey guys be sure to follow us on instagram our handle is at fireside phantoms if you have a spooky story you would like to share with us send it to fireside at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode